But as a person that's going through it now, it's like, well, it's just, do you really give a fuck? I, I can't. Guys, I get to see my, my goddamn kid when they come home from school. <laughs> and I'm talking <laughs> yeah. to my daughter about whatever. Me and my youngest are in the backyard and we playing. It's shit that you take for granted that you don't know is important until you have the opportunity to do it and you realize how much you did. If that it's makes part, sense. Yeah, it, it's part of being uh, famous. Like when, when I hear, when I'm trying to imagine that you are now friends with Eddie Murphy. I mean, close friends. Mm-hmm. As a kid growing up, I'm sure you idolized him. But now Absolutely. when you're in a position that you've earned your chops and you've become very famous for being funny in your own right, is that I find I get very uncomfortable hanging out with people that I idolize. Mm-hmm. I, I have a hard time with it. It, it, it. Is it hard for you to be your natural self, to be authentic around a guy like Eddie? When do you start getting comfortable with these guys that you idolized growing up and now you're suddenly friends with them? Well, there's the shock period of when you can't believe your surroundings. There's the right. shock period of, holy fuck, like, look, look at the circle that I'm in. Yeah. And there goes Eddie, there's Rock, there's Chappelle. Holy fuck. There's, <laughs> yeah. God damn it. This is, this is crazy. There's Steinfeld right there. I just shook his hand. There's a, there's a thing where you, where you had that, like the Ellen, like there's the, there's this big thing that happens. And then there's a moment when you realize the people that are there are just dope, good people. When, when you realize that these people are just themselves. And there's a, there's a light bulb and a light switch that goes off when you realize that they're allowing you in these circles because they see the good in you, not just in your talent, but just who you are. Like you're, you're, you're not a difficult person. You're a good person. You right. Got good energy. So, so when that thing happens, you don't even think about the success side. Like, you know, if, if and when I do see Eddie, or rock Chappelle, whomever it's not we're it's not the magnitude of the star that we're with it's the individual it's the what are we doing yo you want to go get a you want to go get something to eat what y'all trying to do let's let's link up for a second i ain't seen you in a minute all right well let's go get some pizza something quick let's talk let's let's chop it up how you doing you start to realize that the the people that you're closest to are the ones that are actually checking on you they're checking on you so i've been lucky enough to have people that have given me great advice, great guidance, and 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 direction within knowing, Kevin, you're here, and this shit is as big as I've ever seen. Make sure you take time for you. Kevin, make but sure you, that you check on you. But do you feel like you've got to be delightful when you're hanging out with uh, Eddie Murphy? Like, do you feel like, you know, geez, Eddie's so brilliant today. I got to keep up with this guy. I got to come up with a funny no. line. I mean, because these people, like, no, I have experienced that. I have experienced that. You got to take, really? take a step back. Yeah, you, I, al- I, you always give the, you give the respect that that's deserved and do when you're around, you know, when you're around, I think, I'm, I'm just going to say legends. When you're around those legends, it's not about you. It's not mm-hmm. about you. It's not about the younger guy. It's not about the 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 changing of the guard it's not no like you're you're there to listen you're there to be a sponge you're there to to just simply soak up the environment and if there's moments to talk and be funny of course you're yourself but it's not that's not the the effort 
My, my, my task is not one of, I'm hanging out today. I got to be on my A game. No, it's so really? laid back and relaxed. See, this is why so I'm bad at it. I got to go to <laughs> dinner at Steve Martin's house. To me, Steve Martin's one of the greatest living legend. comedians, right? Legend. I mean, Looking the guy legend. was the first one to play to, you know, huge stadiums and, the, you know, he's crazy and funny, funny, funny. And I'm sitting there and, uh, every word out of this guy's mouth is funny. Like he, and he's not even trying. It's trying, just, yeah. He doesn't, he, I don't even think he knows how brilliant he is. And I'm sitting there going, what am I doing at dinner with this guy? I mean, <laughs> I am contributing nothing right now. I'm just like, I'm, I'm a, a big dummy sitting there listening to, I mean, I can't tell you one funny thing after another. And I just felt inadequate. I just felt like I wasn't living up to my end of the bargain in the conversation. Um, it, but we went it's to crazy. Dinner. We went to dinner one night. It was uh, by by far one of this. I, I'll never forget this night. Probably probably the biggest. This is the biggest comedic night in my life. Um, <laughs> Chappelle orchestrated the dinner. He calls us. It's Chris, Dave, me, Eddie, Tucker. Oh. Oh. Uh, and and he's like, "Yo, let's go to dinner. We all in town. Let's meet up." We all go to Mastro's, Beverly Hills. We sit down at dinner, and the, the dinner, the dinner is so fucking great. It's so great. And in the middle of realizing how great it is, I realized why. It's because we were all listening to Eddie give stories with fucking pizzazz personality telling us what happened this nah this motherfucker i remember man he told me and we're dying laughing and none of us <laughs> none of us are trying to one up the story none of us are telling other story we're all listening and feeding off of eddie's energy and it was one of those things where now when you look back at it it was us bowing down to the fucking goat in our mind Regardless right. of where we are in our careers, Eddie was at the head of that table. We all right. sat around Eddie at the head of the table. We ate. We listened to Eddie. We joked. We laughed. We fucking toasted glasses, man. And, and we, we shared a bond, but it was one of respect. It was one of not just mutual respect, but, but looking at Eddie going, you're the reason why you're, you're the reason why we can sit at this table. Like, we, these doors got kicked open because of what you did. Yeah, there were people that were before you that were big. There's Pryor, there's, you know, Cosby, there's people that did amazing shit. But Eddie, you made it fucking rock and roll. Right. You made it an event. Let's not, let's not, let's not disregard that. The only two comedians that got to a place to where it became a fucking event in my mind, Eddie Murphy and you got Andrew Dice Clay in his prom. Right. It was a fucking event. It was yes. a thing. People got dressed. They had to go. It was, hey, comedy is the thing to do. We are spending money on these tickets. We are packing our seats to laugh. Laughter now matches music. That's who's responsible for that. And yes, it became, comedy became rock and roll. Like I was going to say to you, aren't you jealous of musicians? Like they can come up with 10 good songs. And then play them the rest of their career. The rest of their can't do, yeah, you, you can't do that. You got to keep coming up with a new set because if yeah, you put it out on Netflix, my, <laughs> nobody wants to hear joke about the ostrich no more. <laughs> that, that's right. I mean, it worked uh, during the day. But you know, you're so right. And what about at that table? You got 
a bunch of guys who aren't douchebags. How many comics do you know that sit there and no matter where they are, they always got to play the one upsmanship game. They, if Eddie was talking and there was one guy at that table who had to keep breaking in with his funny, you know, or whatever it would, would have ruined the night, would have ruined the night. I know why, though. I'm going to tell you why. How? Please. Because I'm thinking is, of a guy is, I know who doesn't. I, I was in a room with this guy and he was with me and, and Chris Rock and a couple. And he had to keep fucking joking. And like he just should have shut the fuck up. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> wouldn't here, do it. Here is my here is my assessment. Here is my my understanding. Right. Comedy is hard. It's not only hard. It's extremely hard to make it. It's extremely hard to make it, to be the guy, which is why there's very few far and in between. If you look at it, it's always one guy, especially if you're black. Like, there's always one of us. It's not, <laughs> right. it's not two or three at the same time. It's one, 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 one yeah. black comic is the star at the fucking time. And it's a, That's it's right. a weird thing, but if you look at it, if you fucking look at it, it's never it's been true. two or three of us at the no. same time. You don't see two or three big comedians on movie posters around town at the same time. It's one fucking guy. Yeah, like and right now it's Chappelle, you know, it's, it's Chappelle. It's, it's, it's one fucking guy. It's right. one guy at a time, right? <laughs> now, yeah. here, here's the crazy side of it. This other, this other sea of comedians, of people who are funny, who believe that they are talent, and they are, they're all looking for their opportunities. So no matter what, every room can be an opportunity in their minds. Nothing is not a possible moment to make it, to go further, to, to progress. So when you're in a room like that, and if you are the other room uh, or are the other comics, you're looking at it as, oh my God, such and such is here. If I'm, if I'm on my A game and I'm funny as fuck, such and such is going to give me a shot. Such and such is going to put me in said thing. Such and such is going to call somebody and that somebody's going to see me. This is how it happens. And it's not the wrong for thinking that way because that's, that's the assumption within comedy that I have to be funny all the time. And if I'm not, then how am I going to get an opportunity to be funny on the biggest stage? Cause nobody knows me now. So it's about it's, getting seen and known. It's so funny. It's really the best explanation. I've, I've really never understood that, but now I get it. You're saying everything is an audition. Like everything. these guys, everything is an audition. It's unbelievable. You know, I'm looking at the, um, I'm looking at Bernie Mac right over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. I've had Bernie Mac on my show many times. I think this guy was the funniest, the funniest I've ever heard. I'm talking about his delivery. I mean, he could make the phone book funny, right? I mean, just the, you know, motherfucker, just even when he said motherfuckers or, or sometimes I couldn't even understand what Bernie was saying. It was just the rhythm that he was in. It was musical. On the Kings of Comedy, on the Kings of Comedy, this is a known fact. Uh, there was a period where Bernie Mac wasn't closing. Bernie Mac was going, you know, second to last. He was acting as like the feature. And it got to a point where they just said, Bernie's got to go last. Bernie is the comic that's nationally known as the guy that you never wanted to follow. There was not a audience or room that Bernie Mac did not destroy. And by destroy, yeah. the laugh, there was no laughter left. <laughs> there, there's nothing left. He, it's he so took, true. 
He took everything that a crowd had to give. There is nothing left. So going after Bernie, you may get laughs, but it's not the laughs that we just heard that these people are capable of giving. So the laughs that you get when you go after Bernie, it's kind of discouraging because I, I just heard y'all make more noise than this. I just heard you guys laugh more than this. I know that you guys can laugh harder than this. And it's like, there's only one man that was capable of that. And RIP to the, to the late great Bernie Mac, man, he'll, he'll forever be honored. Uh, on my wall and in, in, in my home and my office. He died. I mean, he just, he just me. died. He died too young. You know, as a comic, what is it yes. like to, let, let's say when you're coming up, I mean, now you're established, but when you're coming up and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure it all out and you go to some comedy club and, 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 and Bernie Mac precedes you and he gets those kind of laughs. Do you, would you ever say, I mean, I know you have tremendous spirit and you probably see everything as a challenge, but would you ever say, fuck this? this crowd's dead. I'm not going on after Bernie Mac. Or would you just say, fuck it, I got to go and accept the challenge? Unfortunately, you don't, unfortunately you don't have a choice because Mm -hmm. those stage opportunities don't come often. You know, they're very far few and in between. So, you know, naturally if a comic at that level comes into a comedy club and you were supposed to go on stage, but that comic decides to go on stage, well, you get bumped. (laughs) And when he's done, Unfortunately, oh, you're you're up next. And I've oh. been in those situations. I remember when Dave Attell, Dave Attell bumped me uh at the comedy cellar in New York. Dave Attell, another legend, another one He's of the killer. best He's writers killer. and, and yeah. just uh, unbelievably funny. And right. I had to go after Dave Attell and it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was rough. Nothing yeah. in my career. I went up there and fucking laid a dud. I laid a fucking dud. But the, the beauty of that dud was. It, it gave me understanding of I'm just not there yet. I got right. work to do. I right. got fucking work to do because it, it, at the end of the day, regardless of what a person before you does, when you touch a stage, it's about you grabbing an audience, grabbing their attention and painting a picture of what you want them to see. And if they can't see your picture, then you're not doing a good job of painting it point blank. Hmm. If they can't see your picture, then you're not doing a good job of painting it. It has nothing to do with the man or woman before you. It has to do with what you do when you're there because the lights are on you. Now, granted, your last may not be the same, but your control should be. My control should be. And if I don't have that control, I'm not doing my job. And that's what I learned when I went at the David Tell. I learned that, oh, well, fuck. I'm not at a point where I'm really grabbing the audience's attention. They didn't give a fuck about what I had to say. It's because I didn't give them a reason to. So oh, do I you bomb. go home? Yeah, you bomb, but do you, <laughs> you go bomb. home and then do you bomb? Do you bomb and then go home and say, fuck this? The next time I have to follow a David Tell, I, I got to come up with something that is so killer. I got, in other words, it pushes you into the next realm. It helps you improve. You, you, do. you, you, you know that you have to improve and you know that improving just doesn't happen by you saying, I got to improve. You go mm-hmm. do the work. So, you know, for me, it became the shitty spots. I got to go and do more spots. I got to work on my material. I got to go back to the bars. I got to go back to the holes in the walls. I got to go do that shit all throughout the week more so that when I get to the weekend, I'm prepared. I'm prepared for that moment to happen again. And if it doesn't, I'm even more prepared to seize a moment that's just for me. It, 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 no, it was me understanding the level of preparation that I had to put into the craft. It's not just yeah. about my raw talent. It and had I, to be work. I, I sometimes watch these uh, specials, you know, like uh, the comedy store just had one, this and that, the other thing. And most of it seems to be this horrible thing when you're a comic coming up, getting a spot, getting 10 minutes of stage time, 
It's not as simple as, hey, I'm going to be a, a stand-up comic and I'm going to go over there and they're going to put me on stage. This constant waiting around, trying to try out new material, getting bumped, not getting put on stage. It is brutal. It is really a well, brutal career. Well, Howard, I mean, you're, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, you know how you have the, uh, when you, when you watch these old gladiator movies or you watch these, you know, the movies from way back in the day and you had the king and the king would judge. The king would watch something for his viewing pleasure. And then the king would able, he would do a thumbs up, a thumbs down. The king would decide if you should die or not die. The king yeah. would decide if people should applause or not applause. There was one person dictating the future of the people in front of him, right? Yeah, right. Stand-up comedy, stand-up comedy is the only thing that's like that. Stand-up comedy right. is the only thing where in the beginning, in the beginning of your career, you're judged by the people that control your future. Without no stages, you have nowhere to perform or be seen. To get on those stages, you have to go through an individual that is deemed to be a comedy <laughs> expert. Right. That may not know fucking comedy. That may yeah. not know what funny is. But this person is the person that's set in the place to say, if you are funny enough to come through these doors and provide talent for our customers. And if so you is, that do like not that person, is that like Mitzi, Mitzi Shore? Is that like Mitzi Shore? Yeah. Mitzi, Esty, I mean, uh, I can go through a list. Um, yeah. Lucian, rest in peace. I mean, there were so many people. I, I got that, the, I got that door slammed in my face so many times. And you know, the people don't know fucking funny. You right. know, the people, I know you don't know fucking funny, <laughs> but you just told me I'm not, I know for a fact that you should not be doing the job that you're doing, but right. you just told me I can't. And I got to now deal with that. And I got to <laughs> no, figure out another fucking route. It's a, it's the biggest. <laughs> It's the biggest punch in the fucking kidney that you'll ever take because when it happens, then you got to be patient and wait for the next opportunity to get in front of that person again. When you started getting big, did you ever have a moment where you would go to one of these clubs and say to a Mitzi or someone say, you see, I fucking told you, you should have put me on. Did you, did you have those moments? I have never, and I, and I stand on this. I've never reached that level of anger or, or like, uh, aggression because mm -hmm. of because of what someone said or what someone did that I felt the need to go back and go you you were wrong I don't have to tell you what I know you know and you knowing that that's big enough for me you knowing that you made a mistake I don't ever have to tell you I'm going to see you and I'm going to speak to you and I'm gonna give you a hug and I'm gonna say good to see you but when I leave you're going to say to yourself I fucked that up Right. I could have been attached to that story, to that success. Instead, I'm a part of the conversation of bad. I'm right. a part of the conversation of I didn't believe. I'm a part of the conversation of I told him no. And that makes me now look bad. So I'm never going to lie. I'm always going to be honest about who You're said right. what or who did what. Always. You're right. You're right. They got to live with that the rest of their life. Yeah. Hey, you know, I could have been close to Kevin. Like I could have been somebody in his story that really believed in him. You know, it would have been beautiful. Hey, what, what was Absolutely. it like? What was it like when, uh, I remember, I don't remember what special it was, but Chris Rock got up and started telling that story in his special, how now his kids don't think he's funny. Chris Rock, imagine, <laughs> but, but, they, they but all the, the they just want to see Kevin Hart. They just, <laughs> they just want to go to the Kevin Hart show. I imagine that that was really big of him. Number one. And, and he was basically mm -hmm. saying, look, People today don't, they don't remember me that much, but they know Kevin Hart. <laughs> Was that something that gave you great pride and, and made you happy? 
It's, you know what, man? Uh, it's, I think the best, the best feeling in the world is the acceptance, uh, of your peers, right? And when, and when the guys at that level, you know, give you any kind of nod, um, for me, that's, that's, that's what it's about, right? Like I, you, you can read whatever reviews you can hear people say anything, but the thing that really matters is a constructive criticism or love or appreciation from the, the reason that you're in a business, right? And the reason why you decide to do anything that you do, yeah, you can say you had a love and a passion for it, but you have a love and a passion for it because you heard said people or said individuals do it. And that's what made you go, wow, this is so cool. Some, somebody triggered your, your reason for one. So when those people that act as my triggers show me love, it, it's, it's almost an emotional thing for me because they don't know that that's why I'm here. Right. I'm here because of you. Right. I decided to do this because of you. So when you, when you tell me, yo, that's fucking dope. That's funny as shit. You know, and, and, and a, and a Chris Rock. I mean, this is another guy. I've had times where I speak to Chris on the phone, not on the air or anything like mm -hmm. that. And we talk and Chris will be talking about something dead serious, something heavy. And I'm cracking up. I yeah. mean, even when he's talking about the most horrible thing, he's funny. He's it's naturally. Thing, and I'm and I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't even know right now he, if he just recorded this and worked this out in a club, what he's telling me right now, it would be the greatest stand up of all time. He's throwing out material. That, that he doesn't even know is funny. I'm convinced of this. That, that he's just one of those guys. He just has the edge. He knows how to create this funny. It's, it's really. Chris Rock is also, he's also a guy that's just consistently worked. He's yep. a guy that's never not worked. Chris Rock has right. always written. He's directed. He's done stand up. He's acted. He's produced. He's done voiceovers. He's a guy that's never not worked and that's when you start to understand the business that comes within the craft and there's certain comics that really grab it correctly and utilize it the way that they should chris rock showed me what it is to to diversify within your craft he does everything he's done everything oh shit we can do that too Chris, I didn't know that we can do that. I thought we were just supposed to do stand-up and maybe right. do a TV show and maybe do movies. Oh, wait a minute. You So writing and producing and directing is an option? Chris, explain that to me. Kev, look, here's what, man, and here's how. Holy shit. Thanks, right. Chris. Like he, like that's that's where you start to go. These people around me are weapons because they're blueprints. Right. So, so, so Howard, right now, the businessman that I am and the entertainer and the comic, et cetera, I have pieces from all of the X-Men. I got pieces right. from them all. Right. Like, right. It's, 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 but you know, it's incredible. Sometimes, Kevin, it, it turns out to be heartbreaking. Uh, I know this story. I hope you tell it. I, I hate this story because I love Don Rickles. I did. Mm -hmm. I, when I was a kid, I would sit and watch Don Rickles on TV and think, oh, my God. And, and I met Don Rickles and he was lovely to me. And, uh, you know, he'd goof on you and all this stuff. But the story of when you met Don Rickles was horrible. I, I, my heart breaks for you because and, and it makes me feel bad about Don in a way, because it's a terrible story. And, and I don't even understand what the fuck happened there. But but it, it was a bad I'll night. I'll tell it. I'll tell yeah. you. So, so Don Rickles, uh, you know, I, I'm going to assume that your, your listeners know. 
who Don Rickles is. And this is nothing to defame or deface the character of who he is. I want to make sure that I, that I preface that correctly. Um, you know, but Don Rickles came up in an era where, uh, his aura on stage was, was, you know, was, was racially based. He was a, he was a comedian that went there, you know, within, within his jokes about black people, about how they were perceived, et cetera. But Don Rickles is still a person in comedy that, you know, he, he fucking achieved high levels of success. I go to a vanity fair party and this is when I'm, I'm on the rise. I'm now Kevin Hart, right? right? I'm not the funny guy anymore. There was a, there was a long period of time where I was snap your finger famous, where it was, that's the, that's the guy right. from, uh, you gotta snap your fingers to get it. Shit. What's right. he from? God damn it. Oh, that he's from that thing. You don't know his right. name, but you, you snap. I'm no longer that. I'm now Kevin Hart. That's Kevin Hart. He's a comedian. He's starting to really gain some steam. Right. I'm told Don Rickles is there. Don Rickles wants to meet me. Oh, shit. Big moment for me. Absolutely. I got to go meet Don Rickles. Tell my wife, babe, I'll be back. I'll be right back. They say Don Rickles wants to meet me. I'm going to go over here and say, hey, Don. I go over there. Don Rickles at like a table surrounded by some men. It's almost like a godfather setting. Old guy sitting in the, in the little booth area. I come, Don Rickles gets up. I can tell that he's being briefed. Like maybe he knew who I was. Maybe he didn't, but like I see the whisper, you know, like you see, and I get it today. My team knows if somebody's coming, I may or may not know who they are. Somebody gives right. you the whisper. Hey, that's, that's, that's right there. For yourself, <laughs> right. Make sure you this. All right. That's the name right there. Don't fuck this up. Oh, all right. Hey, what's up, Brad? Like, you know, you, you get the thing. Uh, I'm coming over and Don Rickles says, Hey, come here, man. Hey, and I come to him and he like grabs my cheeks. He's like, you look like a, a little monkey. Oh God. And, and I said, mm. you know, granted, you're, you're talking about a Philadelphia-born native. I'm not going to say that I'm the most sane person in the world. I, I, I can be a hothead. I know right. disrespect when I see it. Sure. I'm at a Vanity Fair party. I just got called a little monkey by an old white man. Right. He grabbed my face when he did it. What do I do? I can't <sighs> push Don Rickles. I can't go with the fuck no. that you just say. No. And, and I see, you can see the, also the look of discomfort from the people around him, right? Cause there's some, there's some younger people around and it was like a, ooh. And I just Ugh. sat there and I said, man, just wanted to come and say hi. Ah, oh, man, you, you keep on, keep on going. And I, and I immediately knew it was, it was unintentional racism. It was right. unintentional. It wasn't, it wasn't done. It wasn't done with the intent to hurt or diminish. It was his bit. Yeah. Don Rickles yeah. was doing his bit and he did his bit on the guy that they said was funny that was coming over and Don Rickles was trying to be funny. Right. And being it funny, just... he called me a little monkey. Now Jesus. today I laugh yeah. at it. I laugh at it today. But then I was like, God damn, I didn't even tell my wife. I just went back to my wife. She was like, how was it? I was like, cool. I just swallowed it. But don't you think in a way, and I love Don, don't get me wrong. And I agree with you that, you know, he's just from old school, whatever the fuck, you know, he's probably yeah. trying to be funny. But at the same thing, too, in a way, 
maybe the older guys get threatened instead of like what Eddie does, where he sits you down at a table and tells you a funny story. And then and, and Chris, who says, hey, here's how you do it. Maybe they get threatened by the up and coming guy. And in a way, and maybe they're not even aware of it. It's like, hey, let me put you in your place. You know, it's, and it makes me it's sad. The, it, it, you know what it is, Howard? Here's a good example. And I'm, I'm really good at, at these type of like metaphors or like, uh, you know, comparisons. Right. There was a comedian I know that had a joke about you can tell the year Keith Robinson, one of my fucking closest friends, mentors in comedy. He said, you can tell the year that somebody was at their best by the way they dress. He said, there's a famous person. You can tell the year that they were great by the way they dress because they don't let that year go. Right. They don't let it go. For example, for example, Alan Iverson, that's my guy. I love Alan. Chuck, love him. AI still wears the baggy pants, the do rags. <laughs> because that year and that time was when he was at his best. And he's not going to let that era go. Right. You have some old people that will tip you with a quarter at an airport. They'll give people a quarter. <laughs> A 50, a 50 cent because right. that's what they remember from when they traveled and when they were at their best. This is what you do. And they're not outside of that mindset in his mind. <laughs> he was still in his time. His, that's his aura, right. His, yeah, he's still in his bubble. He yes. doesn't know that those jokes are stock weird jokes. He doesn't know like. Don, this is I think this is racism now. Like back then, you guys knew about it, but you were joking about it. And that was your bit. Your bit was to address the elephant in the room. But right. now, but now play. those elephants, those elephants are fucking your they're your goddamn they're, we're, they're we're, keeping you back. Yeah. Yes, like we're 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 no longer just in the room, like we're You're partners. contemporary. We're, yeah. Yes, we're <laughs> we're there. So yeah. so you don't you don't comprehend that. So that's what I really processed that moment as. It's a day it acts is a great story. It's a great story yeah. for me. Because I because I'm I, I processed it the way I did. And and yeah. now, even with the even with the even if there is another moment where that moment presents itself. Well, now I'm at a place where I can go, hey, listen, you should be aware if you aren't inappropriate, a little racist. If that's who right. you are, damn, stand on that. If it's who you aren't, correct this moment. Try not to do this. This shit can probably bite your ass in the future. There's a there's right. a nice way to go about it. Not the dickhead, right? Because I'm not a dickhead. And I also yep. I, I have I have no desire to to become one. I'm too poised, I'm too professional. And and those moments are what helped make me the individual that I am today. They prepared yeah. me for the massive amount of bullshit that you could go through. So if you don't have those and you don't you don't have those little examples, well then I'm not ready for the bigger one that's gonna face myself when I get in the room and I'm on the board. And some yeah, shit happens I, and I gotta have a discussion. I think that story broke my heart so much because I knew Don and I and I admired Don so much and I admire his career. And I think your explanation of it is is very gracious, number one. And number two I think you're right. I mm -hmm. think, yeah, you know, you even think about rock stars. You know, you see some of these guys who maybe in the 90s had their look, you know, and that you see them and they had the little rock and roll clothes and stuff. 
And then you see them 20 years later, and they're still wearing that same thing they wore on stage. It was like, yes, that was their best fucking year. Hey, Mick, take off the leather pants, Mick. Mick, you're still (laughs) having Mick, you at the supermarket. Why you have on the leather? What's going on? It's like, it's it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to let Sometimes it it looks like Halloween. Yeah, they're still wearing the costume. You know, what? I got to tell you, I was talking about you this morning, telling the audience you were coming on. I was excited excited about it and uh, you do a bit that i love so much and it's something i've talked about on the air about being famous you know Mm. when i became famous i was on the radio it was it required a lot of work being famous like i had to go through program directors i had to prove i was funny i had to you know i I mean people were firing me but i got to be on the radio and that was a very elite thing and this whole bit that you do is so brilliant about Everyone is famous now. They got the internet. I'm watching this Olivia Jade. She sets up a living room camera and you know what? I'm still, I'm fucking watching it. She's famous. That's it. Mm. It's like, and you say, and you say it with such passion in your stand up. You took my fucking fame from me. Yeah. You, you, you stole you fucked it. Me. You, you fucked me. <laughs> you, you honestly fucked me. It was, it was the, the, and, and see this, this last special, this last special that I did, it, it was a challenge to myself because I said, we're in a pandemic. I found right. a way to work on some material. And I said, you know, in doing this, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest. It's not about getting the gut-wrenching laughter. It's about giving you some honesty about today's times and making you really look at it. Look yeah, at it from great. this point of view. And and the whole thing about fame is that at one point in time, just like you said, Howard, it was the best job in the world. It was right. the most sought after job in the world. If you yes. didn't have it, you wanted it. You wanted fucking fame because everything that came with it was assumed to be great. It was assumed yeah. to be the biggest and best shit ever. But now <laughs> yeah. it's not the same. You, you flipped it. You, you yes. flipped it to where fame, fame is fucked up. Like people are like, Oh, I don't want that shit. <laughs> I don't, no, y'all can keep they that ruined shit. It. Yeah. They ruined this shit it. to come with fame. It, yeah. That's, that's a lot of shit there. And, and everybody, Everybody now gets the title. There, there is no, you know, separation. I don't, I don't think we understand the separation of popularity and fame or, or yeah. stardom. Like it's a, it's all being blurred and merged together. And because of that, because of that, these rooms are different. These rooms are different and the expectations and wants and needs of everybody. They shouldn't be the same, but they kind of starting to. To be asked for as if you can demand or, or ask for the same. Like Howard, I'm, I'm on radio now. Okay. We're on the same <laughs> fucking platform. Imagine yeah. if I came in there and I said, yo, I need 80, 80 plus mil a year. <laughs> why? What do you mean? Why? What the fuck you mean? Why? You know why? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm fucking famous and I'm right. now coming here. I can't have the same expectations or wants is you because we're not at the same level in that place. And I got to have that understanding. But in today's time, that understanding is blurred. These, these, these people don't get that. And it's, and it's a weird thing, man. It's a really weird thing. I have it's a weird. bunch of, yes, I have a bunch of famous friends who call me. They think I run Sirius XM. I go, I, first of all, I, I'm just hired by these guys. I mean, really, I don't have any, I don't really have any say over what they program and stuff, but, but they, they're kind of like, Hey, I'm famous. 
I want to get on the. I want to get on Sirius XM, and I, you know, I want to do it, Howard. Co- I, I want fifty million dollars. I go. Well, wait a second. You, you got to get a following, and you got to get somebody to subscribe. <laughs> no, and yeah, no, right. It's I'm so just crazy. Go. I'm just going to go there. I'm going to say I got the yeah, show. What are you eating? And that's what I. Yeah, like I just should get. I should get the well, fifty mil for that. That's what I'm going to well, ask for, Howard. What do you think? It's so crazy. You see it in our world today. You see a guy playing video games, and he's got a couple of million followers, and uh, you know, it's a asshole playing a video game. It's not the same as what you had to do. Go to a comedy club. And get up on stage and follow a Bernie Mac or a Chris Rock or or somebody and, and, and earn those chops. It's a different time, but what I've learned to do, I I don't I don't discredit, I don't shit on, I I humbly respect anybody's humble, anybody hustle, anybody's drive, anybody that figures out a way to create revenue because that's what life is about. In my in my right. opinion, life is a game. It's a fucking game, and either you're going to win at it or you're going to lose at it. And the way to win at it is to figure it out. You got to fucking figure it out. You got to figure out how to take care of yourself. You got to figure yeah. out how to provide for yourself. That's the game. So when yep. people learn how to figure that thing out and they, they find ways to make money, God damn it. Kudos to you. My, right. my opinion of, of the separation or the understanding, well, that's mine. And, and what I've learned is that we get upset for people. We get upset at people for having an opinion today. Like we, yeah. we've lost, we've lost the true value. An understanding of my opinion versus your opinion. For example, yeah. Howard, you like coffee. I like tea. That's our preference. I don't hate you for liking coffee. You shouldn't hate me for liking fucking tea. But in today's time, well, you're stupid for not liking tea. Right. I hate you for not liking coffee. We lost the visual sight and understanding of opinions are just that. It's how I feel or it's how you feel. Neither are right, neither are wrong. It's yeah. one or the other. And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> when people right. get back to having that logic, when they get back to having that understanding, then they're fine. I, a lady told me, a lady, a lady told me, like she, she interviewed me and, you know, she was talking about my special and she said, you know, uh, Kevin, you know, you've never been, uh, I, I've never personally, I've never liked your, your comedy. I've never, I've never been a fan, but you're, you're, you're interesting to me, which is why I want to talk to you. And I said, I said, do you, you do know that you have a choice? Like you, you don't have to like me. I'm not mad at you for not liking me. Like for you to preference that, like it's, it's almost as if you're looking for something from me. I'm fine with you not liking me. I understand if you want to know things, you want to ask questions. I have no problem with answering those questions. You can choose to like me or not. It's not going to affect my tomorrow. And I think people today think that's the case. Well, you first of all, your opinion is going to affect the tomorrow. Well, first of all, obviously, she never heard your rap on you can't have both if you're <laughs> married. You can't have dick. You can't have good dick or have a good provider. <laughs> you got to have one or the other. I love that you tell, you know, your one wife basically, I love that when you did the routine, you know, and it, 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 again, it's one of Kevin's routines and, I, and I'll probably butcher it, but Kevin's whole premise is, <laughs> you know, if you got a, a man who's out there earning big time, uh, like Kevin is, you know, and, and then she complains that she's not getting fucked as good as she used to. Uh, you say, listen, either I'm out there earning or if you want a guy who's concentrating on his dick and being good at fucking, then you got to go. You got to look somewhere else. You got to have one or the other. The you got to choose. It's the, it's the truth. And I love well, that routine so much because it, it, it's true. When your wife says to you, hey, Kevin, how come you're not fucking me as good as you used to? 
say, listen, I, I'm doing something better than that. Look at look around here. <laughs> this is a nice house. I'm tired. I'm tired. I tell my wife, me and my wife have these honest conversations. I got no problem putting out there. I told you, you got to pick one. You want you want this life or you want good dick? Pick one. It's very simple to me. It's an easy. It's an easy choice. It's an easy choice. And I know for a fact when I was laying pipe. When I was giving great dick, Howard, I had nothing. This is a true story. <laughs> you were good. I had nothing. Right. I had nothing. I didn't yeah. have these bills. I didn't have his life. I had nothing. I, you know what I had, Howard? Time. I had fucking time. That's you weren't working on your act, that's for sure. <laughs> no. I had, I had an abundance of time when I was doing it. But, 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 Kevin, what happens in your life when you decide to put in your comedy Hey, um, but my wife, I'm not fucking my wife as good as I used to. She's complaining this and that. Mm -hmm. Do you have to go to your wife or people in your life at certain times, especially even when you talk about your kids? And, you know, I tip my hat to that material, too, because I, I thought Bernie Mac was particularly good at talking about his kids. He would call his kids assholes. And I always thought that was an innovation <laughs> like I never saw. And then when I watch your special, you'll go down that path. You'll say, my kids are stupid. Or, you know, they, this is something mm -hmm. dumb they're doing. Do you have to, as a comedian, go to your wife? Go to your kids. Or do you say, hey, listen, this is what I do for a living. They got to fucking learn to live with it. Well, my 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 family definitely they definitely understand what their father does. Right. Um, but you you do. Once again, you have to be conscious, conscious of today. And, you know, I do make sure my kids understand. Hey, you guys know this is what I'm thinking about. Dad's joking. Come and watch dad work on these jokes. Tell me what you think. Tell me what right. you like. Tell me what you don't like. Okay, wow. I'll change this. What do you, did, how, does this make you uncomfortable? Because because now you know the internet. The internet is is the internet lives forever, right? And yeah. these things that I say, I know are going to live forever. I need to make sure that you are in the right mind to deal or understand that. And I talk to my kids. I communicate with my kids. I don't. I don't. Right. Like when I say my kids are my best friends, I truly do mean. My kids are my best friends and nothing that we don't say in a house or play with can ever be said. These, this is our way that we talk to each other. This is how their father is with them. So when I, when I do these things on stage, it's a representation of, of me in my household. This is, this is really what I am. This is who I am. This is the type of father that I am. And, and I think that because of that, I've reached new heights. I've reached new heights of relationship with my kids. And, you know, when people, people say, it goes back to the point I was making earlier, you know, when the same woman, she was like, you know, you talk about your family all the time. Do you ever think that you would get back to talking about anything else? And I said, I said to her, I said, what life do you think I now live? Mm -hmm. I said, what, what, what do you think I do? You like, do you think I'm out on adventures every day? I said, I go to work and I come home. I yes. come home and I'm with my kids. So where, where do you think material comes from? So my, uh, my, my comedy and my material, well, it's no longer for a certain audience. I'm, I am, I'm a comedian for your people that are in these type of households or environments that can understand and relate to what it is that I'm talking about. If you don't have this or don't have kids or aren't married, you may not understand it, which means I'm not your guy. I'm not your guy. And there's guys or women that are out there for what you're looking for. All you got to do is change the channel or all you got to do is click somebody else. I'm out there now and I'm making these people laugh because where I am in my life 
this is what I am. This is what I can talk about. So yeah, you my don't. kids growing up, it's <laughs> what do you want? You want me to talk about killing somebody on the block? I never did. Right. But you, you know, talk about <laughs> I, I relate to what you're saying, because especially when I was on the radio early on, and I had three kids, you know, and a wife and and I would talk about my personal life in a way that, you know, I didn't ask for permission. I didn't. I assumed in my life, my radio career had to come first. I had to be open, honest, and I didn't give a fuck who was the collateral mm -hmm. damage. And that was a big mistake in my life. You know, I, I like that you go to the kids and you say to them, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Tell me if you have a problem with it. But can you feel also like a bully? Like they're like, hey, we don't want to offend dad. We don't want to upset him. He, you know, he's out there working his ass off. Can the kids really be honest with you about what they're uncomfortable about? It's a tough, it's a tough thing because I know what you're talking about. My kids are fucking honest, man. Yeah. My kids, my kids are <laughs> they let you honest, have it. Actually, my, yeah, heaven, heaven and Hendrix, they don't give a shit about my fame. By the way, I love those <laughs> names. Heaven, heaven is a great name for a kid and Hendrix is a great name for a kid. Heaven, Heavenly Heart. That's her full name. Heavenly Heart all together. Uh, Hendrix, Kevin Hart, Kenzo Cash Hart, Kayori, my heart. Those are, those are, those are all the kids. And I'll say Heaven and Hendrix are the oldest. And we, we just got this thing, man, where, where we're okay, where we're okay talking to one another. And if my kids yeah. want to really get something off their chest, they say speaking zone, free speaking zone. And free right. speaking zone means I cannot get mad. I cannot interrupt. <laughs> I got to let them get whatever it is off their chest. That's and fantastic. they can do that. They can do that. No cussing. No cussing is a lot of free speaking zone, but if you feel like you, you got a little, you got to get animated. If you feel like you got to buck up and you feel like you really want to release these emotions, you got a free speaking zone to do it. And I got to shut up and I got to listen. And my response can't be one of anger. I can't get angry about what you said. I got to really listen to it. That's fine. And I got to then give you a rebuttal. So I'm so sure because I'm sure that, your parents did that for you. <laughs> no, no, there was no free, free speaking zone. This is what today, yeah, right. today's times make you do this shit. That's what happened. Yeah, right. My mama hit me in the head with a fucking two by four. So let me give you a, a, a hypothetical. You now have written the greatest joke ever. Mm -hmm. You know, it kill. You know, this is going to kill. You can't wait to get out to the club. The kids come to you and say, dad, you can't do it. It, it offends us. You're, you're, you're talking, you, you dropped the joke. It hurts, but I got to drop it. Oh, man. It hurts, it hurts <laughs> but I got to drop it. Wow. It hurts. It honestly hurts, but I, but I would have to drop it. You know, <laughs> I, I think that, I think that right now it's, it's more about showing them that they, that they matter. And wow. like you said, Howard, you know, we, we come from a time where it didn't matter. Everybody was collateral damage in the beginning. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yep. I would let shit fly. I don't care. It's, it's, it's me. It's my life. It's coming from my point of view. I'm not, I'm not, there's no ill intent behind it. There, there's right. no malice behind it. You know, this is, this is me being myself, but in today's times, I have to be current and I now have to be understanding. And as much as that would piss me off because I'm the one that's fucking providing all this shit and this is how I do it. And you're telling me that I can't do it. The best way that I fucking know I can, and this helps me do that, I got to show you that you matter. Yes. I got to show you that, that, that you are a priority. I'm in the same place with you now. I will delete things that I want to do on the radio because I do want to protect the people I love. But, you know, when you're young, and you have, especially when you have no money, 
and you have no career, you sit there and go, doesn't anyone understand me? I got yeah. this pressure on my shoulders. I got to make a fucking living so you guys can eat. So you got to go along with everything, you know, and, and no, it's not fair to your family, but it's, it's hard. Well, it's really it's difficult. Hard. It's hard to understand. It's hard to understand what that individual is going through, Howard, and the reason why. And I'm no therapist. I've never taken therapy. But no. I know that I make fucking sense. The reason why it's hard to understand is because you're part of 1%. You're part of less than 1%, actually. Less than 1% of people in the fucking world get the opportunity to be the best at what they do. Less than right. 1% can right. reach the fucking, this crazy level. And nobody will ever understand what, what comes with that. Nobody will ever understand the pressure that comes with that. Nobody will ever understand the, the fucking, the thinking that's attached to that. The want and need for more of it as you're doing it. That, that success, that fame, that addiction, the need for more, the need to, to, to fucking make people love and want. I got to do, I got to do, I got to do. I got to be the best. I got to be number one. You get this thing and you don't want to lose it. And nobody understands that machine. Nobody understands that mindset. So when you're yes. locked in it, you're so, you're so high above at a frequency that other people can't see at. So when they say you should, you should, well, you don't know. You don't know what, what this is. Yes. But now that we've been here and we've flown here for so long, well, now we're at such a steady pace and we're cruising. We're able to adapt and we're able to fucking adjust. And that shit that used to be turbulence is no more because we say, let's just avoid. And isn't one of the around. hardest, isn't one of the hardest things too, when you get to that level that the other, other people's jealousies, the, the, oh, the jealousy, and they're always second guessing you. If I was in your position, here's what I would do. This is the uh -huh. way I would be. I mean, it's constant, constant. And then if you whine about it too much, people go, Oh, poor you. You know, you, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, there I mean, it's no, a, there's yeah, no you win. Can't, you can't <laughs> win. And, and, you know, the, the part of it that, that confuses me just when you talk about the jealousy or the anger, you know, it, there's so many people in, in my craft that just, you know, the, got shit to say, you know, that, mm -hmm. that look at me, uh, a certain way and, and, and have built up this fucking hate. And the thing that makes me laugh the most about it is that it's one sided. It's right. one sided. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't speak on anybody else. I don't, I don't, I have no care about what anybody else is doing. I only have positive love and support that I throw out there because ultimately we're, we're like a fraternity. So the more that an individual does, the more opportunities that others behind us will be able to do. So what I, what I did and what I, what I said that I was going to continue to do is, is just understand that it obviously comes with the territory, but if it's one sided, then, then that means that a person has to, has to do this thing with their self. These people have to battle with their self. I don't like him. And, I, and when it's only one sided, you don't get energy back. Well, then you start to look ridiculous. It starts mm. to make you look ridiculous because there is no, I, I don't, I never acknowledge it and I never feed off of it or feed into it. And, and the more that you fly above it, the more ridiculous that it is when it comes at you or to you. So, so when you talk about hate, when you talk about the negativity, I just respond with positivity, man. I, I want everybody to win. 
And unfortunately, if you don't want me to win, I, 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 I guess I have to understand that and more power and more blessings to you. But I'm still going to continue to do my job at a high level. There's so many things I want to talk to you about because, A, we've got an announcement to make that uh, I think people will be pleased about, and I know I am. Uh, I'm going to make that in a second uh, about what uh, Kevin is up to with SiriusXM. But, you know, I read about you, and I do not know how the fuck you figure out your day. <laughs> I, I don't even know how you, how you have time for family. I mean, you're doing <laughs> movies and all. Like, like I was watching your, your, um, the, the TV show you do where you'll go out with a celebrity. Like I watched the one where Jimmy Kimmel and you go to the Harlem Globetrotters, you work out for the day, you measure your body fat. I don't believe that Jimmy Kimmel only has 20% body fat, but hey, God bless. I'm, I assume you're telling the truth because you had 15%. I'm like, wait, I understand Kevin has 15%. I don't understand how Jimmy came clocked in with 20 But I mean, just doing that show alone and you go with Chelsea Handler to the uh, country club, I, I found mm-hmm. that really amusing spending the day with you guys. But that, mm-hmm. to me, is a tremendous investment in your time, that TV show. Mm-hmm. And then you got about 50 other movies you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you got the comedy specials you're doing. And, and, and I don't know where you find the fucking time. I mean, it is a tremendous amount of work. That TV show where you go with Jimmy. First of all, Jimmy's got to spend the whole day with you. And you got to spend the whole day with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's it, right. I mean, it, well, there's I, no I lock, shortcut. I lock everything down. What I, what I do is... I'm, I'm I'm good at prioritizing the time, but because I don't have a lot of it, I I make very strict condensed schedules. So you're right. you're referring to the show What the Fit. So right now, yeah. right now, you know the two shows that I have is What the Fit. I have Cold as Balls. I have Celebrity Game Face. Those are my those are my three TV face like appearances that I do. So yeah. these things, you know, you're doing seasons, and I make a commitment to knock out a full season. In three weeks, two and a half weeks of three weeks. So you only get three weeks. But then after that three weeks, well, now I'm going into my movie production. And that movie production is going to take me three months to film. Now, after that three months of filming, I'm going to shut down three weeks. And that's nothing. That's family. That's chill. I don't do anything. I come out of that. Now I'm going to take another two and a half weeks, knock out a season to cold as balls. That season is done. It's in a can. Now I come out of that. All right, I'm done with that. Next movie. That next movie takes me about another two and a half, three months. Shut down for three weeks after. After I'm done that, okay, guys, I got to figure out this next season. I'm about to start my talk show. But in between all of that, I've weaved in radio. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I know I got to do two hour blocks of radio each day. So that radio either happens at the top, top, top of my morning or at the end, end, end of the day, depending on my energy. So I'm either kicking it off with radio after I work out or I'm finishing a day of work with radio. I put those in the can. So my schedule is intense, is strict, but there is no room for error. There is no wiggle room because once I put it in, it's locked in and that's what we stay true to. Kevin, do you worry? Do you run the risk of burning out? In other words, you got to be funny in all of those instances. You got to be on Mm -hmm. top of your game. You know, when you say I'm going to be doing a movie, you you know, movies a big fucking deal. You don't want to fuck that up. I mean, you do need your energy in the right place. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, I, I don't know how you can just juggle all of those things in the air. Well, it's just uh, remarkable to me. Well, I, what I've learned is this. It's how long am I going to do it? Kevin, right. how long are you going to do this? What is your real, <laughs> what's the real goal, Kevin? You're, you're 41 right. years old and, you know, you, you reach the, the crazy high level that you reach. So right now, 
this work and I fuck it. I'll, I'll tell you because it's you, Howard. So I'll, I'll get extremely honest with you. And this is how good you are uh, at your job because you force people to be so real and authentic and transparent. Oh, thank you. There's an end game. And, right. and the end game for me, it has nothing to do with my talent. It has to do with my infrastructure. So okay. my business is now matching my talent. So Heartbeat Productions is my production company. Heartbeat Productions is now a partner. We produce movies for our partners. Within those partnerships, the company makes good money. Laugh Out Loud, that's my streaming network. My streaming network is partnered with NBC Universal, and we provide a multicultural arm for this platform. And that entity stands on itself. Now we have the world of radio. You got Sirius, that channel, it comes through Laugh Out Loud, my other entity. I now have have shows on that channel. This infrastructure is going to run with or without me. There's also a branch of literature, this literature book and this literature world where you can write, where you're the kickoff, but then you go find other people that want to do it that can come underneath the successful umbrella. These entities that you create act as a circle, act as a nucleus. And what's happening is you slowly back out of it and the engine runs with or without you. And that's where the hard work goes in now because these back steps are coming. So you're going to see less and less of me and the engine will provide the opportunities for the masses. And the guy that was at once the forefront and the face of it won't have to be. Yeah, but don't you think, don't you think it could be unrealistic because you are the face that fuels all this when it's not Kevin Hart in the project. It, it's just not as exciting. You know, the problem with our business is you're dreaming of the day where mm-hmm. you have these businesses where you're making money essentially while you're sleeping. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 the truth is it's very difficult because if, if it's me and I'm a business, I want Kevin Hart and I want his full attention and I want him up on that screen. I don't care about who Kevin Hart picks. You know, it's a difficult mm-hmm. thing to make money while you sleep because we want Kevin Hart. All right. So here's what I realized. It is, but it isn't. It is, but it isn't. And here's why I say that. I can't get the respect of the other A-list talent if my projects that I produce aren't, aren't, aren't good, aren't quality, right? Right. So right. if I produce a high level of quality films for myself that was starring vehicles and these movies were for me. Well, now when I want to go and produce other movies for other quality star level talent, I have the credibility. The credibility says that Kevin can take a budget of 40, 50 million dollars and make an amazing fucking movie. And these amazing movies get an amazing return. So because of that, I can implement anybody into this system that's proven to work. Ultimately, ultimately the, the talent isn't, isn't in producing as much. As they should be. The talent isn't a part of the creative side as much as they should be. That's why it's very far few and in between when it comes to the people that are actually active and putting projects together and, and, and being forward in what it is that they want to do. So because that's a space that's voided, it's a space that I prioritize. Kevin, do you have a number in your head financially? Goddamn right now, I do. Goddamn fucking it. right I do. When you hit that number, you'll be satisfied and say, that's Pew. it. Pew. You have a number. <laughs> You know what that is? 
Pyong means you are disappeared. We don't even see you anymore. Pyong, right? Pyong. Yeah. Smooth said it best. Pyong is the fastest. Pyong. That's the fastest thing in the world. Pyong. Um, so what is the number? In other words, what, because you're so, because like I read these astronomical numbers, 51, $59 million doing stand-up last year, so they, you know, whatever the year it was. To, to make $59 million doing stand-up, and you played a big stadium, you know, big, big theaters, it, it, that's a tremendous amount of work, right? I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. not like you had to do a lot. You don't, you have to do a tremendous amount of stand-up, though, to get $59 million in a year, right? Mm-hmm. It's gotta, mm-hmm. it's, it's gotta be insane. To, to the point where I, I imagine by the end of that year, you want to take your act and throw it out the window, right? I mean, it oh, becomes no, disgusting. You're disgusting. The, you're you know, disgusting. I don't want to see it again. I don't want right. to fucking see it again. <laughs> but you say to yourself, fuck this. I wrote this act. I'm going to do it. I'm going to beat it into the ground. I'm going to go to every yeah. city I can go to and I'll make my $59 million. Yeah. It's a tremendous. Yeah. It's a tremendous work ethic. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. a tremendous work ethic. But there's it's, some it's, number. I mean, you, you've made a tremendous. I don't know how what, what you're worth, but what is the number that will satisfy Kevin Hart with to the pium? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to say the number because you know I've already. You know, you got people that are just that pissed that get pissed off just I'm not giving <laughs> them more right. ammunition to yeah, fucking I mean, get even more pissed off. It's it's more about it's more about the resume that's attached to it. It's more about it's more about the the book that I'm writing. Uh, right, but but how close are you to, to the do. number? How close are you to the number? You've got to be. Cl- I mean, I'm, at I'm this close. point, it's amazing. It's amazing your I'm wife close. gets any. It's amazing your wife gets any dick at all. I mean, you're going. That's you're on fire. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there fast so that I so that I can give her an get abundance of it as soon as I yeah. So I can, so I can get tap back out. to her. Yeah. Are you, are, in your mind, are you ten years away from the number, or are you five years away from, or are you a year away from the number? If I'm 40, I'm 41 years old. If, if I can get to the age 50 and that's it at 50, be able to look back and go, holy cow and possibly enjoy grandkids, enjoy, uh, you know, just holidays, just birthdays, whatever, whatever the days are that you would love to celebrate throughout the year at 50 years old, when, when my knees are, are, are hurting and my, <laughs> my back, I, you know, is, is hurting. I, it, it may be tendonitis or, or who knows what the fuck it is at, at that age, when all that shit starts to kick in, and you do 60. weird stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you I can tell you. You want to yeah. know. Well, you, yeah, yeah. That's the year. You'll be, okay. No. You'll be okay in your 50s. It's your 60s. It's going to really be fucked but, up. But that point where it's like, you know, where you, where, where you appreciate the little things. Like, and let's take a walk. You know, yeah. let's, let's go and, and we're going to go and, and sit on a lake and just go. When you start to appreciate the fucking life at, a, at the highest level, because at 50, you're you're about to go on the other side. You're about to go on the other side, and I look at it the back from, nine. from the yeah the back like that that side <laughs> over there. That Pew. side over there. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be as strenuous as the first. You know, as that first half. That first half is balls to the wall. You you out there. You it's crazy. You're doing every and anything that you possibly can at fifty, it's, and then I would uh, love our, to I would love to be slowed the fuck down a lot. Our heaven, our heaven and Hendrix.